Episode 192. The one where could it be Jesus? The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Knotheads out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The The Theonauts! How you been, David? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? What you been up to? Oh, well, since snow... snow, uh, Snowpocalypse. Snowpocalypse, yeah. Yeah, just been trying to catch up, and... uh, But everything's going pretty good right now. So were you, like, completely snowed in, like you couldn't get to work or anything? I guess you're, like, still working from home, right? Yeah. But I, but I've got, uh, I've got the Jeep. So all she's, right. yeah, so she's pretty good. Like she had no problems at all. Look at David over there. Yeah, I got my Jeep. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I had no problems driving through all the snow and stuff. Meanwhile, I just drove I around, my- <laughs> pulled everybody out. Was- here, here I am in my minivan sliding all over the place. I told Christina after this one, I'm like, okay, it's time for me to go back to a truck. I'm ready to. To have my truck back, my four-wheel drive. You remember the old Blue Beast, Hank the Wonder Nut? Yes, of course. I miss that thing like crazy. That 85 GMC Sierra pickup truck, four-wheel drive. It was great. (laughs) I miss it. But uh, my nephew actually has that truck now. He's driving it. Oh, really? Yeah, we kept it in the family. I sold it back to Dad, and then he gave it to my nephew to drive through high school. So I thought your dad sold that truck. I thought he was going to, but he ended up, I I convinced him heavily that he should keep it in the family. And so he did mm. out of uh, respect. <laughs> so, well, anyway. yeah. So Texas, man, we were just like not prepared for this type of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. So we didn't do any Theonauts last right. week. No, no, no. It's been, you know, dead silence because of all this stuff. <laughs> You know what cracks me up about Texas, and not to slam Texas or anything, but I just think this is really funny. It's futile anyway. Go ahead. Well, one, of, one of the things that Texans always bring up is, well, we could be our own nation, you know, because we got our own power grid, right? And all that works great until snowpocalypse, whenever they try to ask the rest of the country for extra power. The country's like, uh, no, you're on your own down there, and you guys have to go through rolling blackouts. You know how long my power was out, David? My power was out like 35 minutes. How long oh, was yours out, on. David? How how many times have you said, like, regular thunderstorms, and it's like, <laughs> Oklahoma City's out of power. <laughs> We did have that ice storm. In, it's like, like every other week you got out, you're out of power. In October, we had a really bad ice storm <laughs> that took down like pretty much most Oklahoma City. We were at, without power for an entire week. It was bad. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I'm not we, bragging about our power grid. We we, we handled it. Like, it, in fact, the I had like a lot of problem on Encore because Encore is like huge 
and they right. have to power all the hospitals. And so, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, David can be without power. We got to give, we yeah. got to give power to the hospital. But, you know, the people around here who were on the fanning co-op, it was pretty chill. Like, really? Yeah. Like the Neil's house, they had like, uh, they had like, they were out 15 minutes and then they'd be on for 30 or something like that. So wow. at the worst, that's what it was. Huh. So, whereas I'm sitting over there two days in a row with no power. Right. <laughs> but, uh, so, wow. yeah, so I think the local power companies did, they handled it really well. That's good. Did all right. That's so. good. Well, I'm glad to hear that Texas is still standing after mm-hmm. its snowpocalypse. And, you know, Oklahoma Red- got hit pretty hard, too, but we uh, we survived, so... Just a lot of cooped up stuff, man. I am ready for spring of, and for summer. A lot of first world problems too. Oh yeah, to realize. you know everyone's crying. Like it's so funny if you go to the Facebook pages of whatever of the of the power companies and just watch everybody complain. Oh yeah, throwing fits <laughs> like crazy, and you're just like, man, if you lived in Haiti, like they <laughs> yes. they go most their day every day without power. You know they have it on for an hour at night, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's like here, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't watch my shows. Like I can't <laughs> charge my iPad. I can't, yeah. you know, <laughs> my Xbox the, isn't working. The internet went down. <laughs> what are we going to do? It's sad day, sad day. Yeah. But anyways, but, so how has everything else been going afterward? Bu- really busy. I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of, uh, a couple classes and, <clears throat> They're really uh, trying my, uh, basically my, uh, what would you call it, my organizational skills, mm-hmm. because, because I'm trying to balance this and family life and church ministry, and it's it's just really hard right now. But it's, it's all right. I have a midterm next week in the middle of the week that's... Uh, Disciple Now weekend, which is yeah. a big weekend for me. You know, I'm I'm doing a lot of stuff, so need a lot of prayer out there, Theonauts. Please pray for me because I got a lot coming down the pike. But uh, you know, it's it's great. I'm enjoying life. I went and got my uh, second COVID shot, so mm-hmm. I'm completely COVID immune. And if I die of cancer in 15 years, at least I was COVID <laughs> See, immune. I, I planted that seed in your head, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. And now I think I'm gonna die from cancer but thanks david thanks a bunch oh well absent with the body present with the lord right amen yeah so (laughs) so i've been uh continuing my c.s lewis uh trump so even though i've read you know a ton of his books in the past i've kind of made it this this personal uh thing i'm gonna read at least every book that he's written like that's kind of like my goal this year. Wow. But in addition, I'm also reading um um his essays and letters and collected essays and letters. So, um I've been purchased Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I purchased this uh I've been buying them all in by the Harper Collins art like uh yeah. paperbacks, the really nice ones. Right. <clears throat> and so I'm trying to get like a sh- my C.S. Lewis shelf, like completely kind of uh, all in that same style. Wow. 
And uh, so I found books that I didn't even know existed. Most of them are collections of poems. Right. and Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's one called Narrative Poems I have on order. I've got one that's just called Poems. Uh, I've got um, one of them called, uh, what is it? Stories of Other Worlds. No, Of Other Worlds. That's what it's called. And then one of them called The Dark Tower and Other Stories. Like, I didn't know he wrote, like, I guess it's short stories. So wow. <clears throat> I'm kind of interested to, to see what all these things are. Um, that's, a, that's a big rabbit hole. I was going to say, he he wrote a lot more, like, essays and uh, and letters than he did books, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's several, that. several books that are that. Right. So uh, I finished, uh, I've, I'm now done with the... Um, the space trilogy. I just finished that hideous strength. Uh, I finished till we have faces, which is amazing. Uh, it's my favorite Lewis <clears throat> book. Yeah. I think. So, so good. And then, um, uh, I am reading surprised by joy and I'm reading, uh, the great divorce. Right. Oh, now. wow. Cool. Yeah. Dude, the Great divorce is pretty cool too. I love his description of, uh, I don't know if you call it hell, but it's definitely like purgatory. But it's, yeah, it, it's it, so they refer good. to it. They refer to it as hell, right? Uh, and it's kind of funny. There's one guy that that's trying to clarify all this, and he was like, yeah. "Well, wait a minute. Is this hell? Is this purgatory? Does this mean the Catholics <laughs> were right?" You know. <laughs> and the I love the answer. It was like, <clears throat> "Here's the thing. It can mean all of that or none of it." Right. Y'all have not been able to wrap your mind around the afterlife. Like yeah. that's the whole, like it's uh, like, it's like everything. It's not cut and clear in the scriptures and that we've made all these assumptions about it, you know? Sure. So uh, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I really, I really like it. <clears throat> well, so, awesome. You want to jump into our topic of discussion for tonight? Let us do it. Here we go. So tonight's discussion is theophanies. Yes, yes. You know, we have we have discussed this a lot, I feel like, in the <clears> past. <throat> but we've never did, done an actual, like, just straight up, uh, you know, theonauts on it. And so this is going to be a really fun one. And uh, at first, whenever we first met tonight and, and we're talking about these different theophanies, I didn't think there was a lot to pull out of this, and now I'm I'm super excited <laughs> because there's there is a ton uh, in the Old Testament of theophanies. So, David, what are theophanies? Well, in a general a general um, definition would be a an appearance of God. So, any type of appearance of God to man is technically a theophany. Right. What we're really going to be talking about is more specific theophany, which is Christophanies, which right. is pre-incarnate uh, Jesus meeting man. Right, or, so <clears throat> messianic uh, theophanies is the idea, so Christolo uh, Christophanies, and, and believe it or not, uh, there are a ton in the Old Testament, again, and it's really neat to to kind of see and walk through this. It's it's really a faith builder, builder really, 
but we yeah. pulled out uh <clears throat> several that uh that are really neat neat looking and uh seem well, to be pretty pretty prominent and one of the things I wanted to kind of do right off is to um is to kind of talk about a lot of people would approach this topic with some trepidation, you know, because it's like, oh, wait a minute. Jesus actually physically walking around in the Old Testament. Now you're going too far. Like there's this um, lots of questions about it. Right. We do, we do have the, the, the passages that we're going to bring up. The stories that we're going to bring up <clears throat> are actually encounters with God. Right. But I want to start with, I want to start with a passage in the book of John, because to me, I think this, this fuels some of our, our thinking on this and why maybe we should, um, we should examine things a little further. First off in John, uh, in the new Testament, John chapter one, verse one, It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So, right off the bat, John tells us Jesus has been a part of the story from day one. This is not, he's not, you know, just now coming on the scene in the New Testament. Right. He's been, he has been a part of the entire process. And then if we jump down a few verses to uh, verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And I think that's a very telling verse. Right. So basically it's saying that that through Christ we have known God. Yes. And so if you apply that to the Old Testament, now a lot of a lot of people will say, well, you're reading too much in the Old Testament. Um, especially with some of these stories. And uh, you know, you, you can say that about anything, but a couple of, of, of good New Testament examples uh, when Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus, uh, the resurrected Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus with these two disciples, right? Who are yes. shocked and appalled about what's going on. It says that Jesus showed them throughout the Old Testament. Mm. how and, and so Jesus uses the Old Testament to show himself, right? Um, you have the stoning of Stephen, who walks through the Old Testament and shows Christ throughout the Old Testament before they pick up stones and stone him. And it, there are examples over and over and over again. Peter uses the Old Testament to to show Christ. And so, and Paul does too, the book of Hebrews is straight up, the whole thing is using the Old Testament to show Christ. And so we argue, my argument is, no, it's not... It's not reading too much into the Old Testament. It's reading the Old Testament correctly. When you actually look at these things with the idea of Christ, the Old Testament comes alive. I mean, it absolutely comes alive. And that's where I, you know, I tell my students all the time, the Old Testament is pointing towards Christ in everything it does. The The New Testament's pointing back to Christ in everything it does, but it's all 
Yes. All scripture is about Jesus. I, I, I love that whole, uh, you know, I'm always like quoting Chuck Missler and whatever, <laughs> but yeah. I love Chuck Missler's little saying about that. You know, he says the old Testament is the new Testament concealed and the new Testament is the old Testament revealed. Right. And so, I mean, when you read it with, with Christ, with a Christ understanding, again, the Old Testament comes alive. And one of the biggest ways it comes alive are in these theophanies or these Christophanies that we see in the Old Testament. So David and I have pulled out a couple that we really, you know, love, and then we'll make some mention of others. But uh, um, we're going to walk through and just kind of look at some of these Christophanies. So, David, you want to take it away and share your first one? Well, I think you've got the first one, right? You wanted to talk about Hagar. That's oh, Genesis, I do. That's Genesis, Genesis 6, 16. 16. Right. So pull up in your Bible real quick. <laughs> Let me grab my <laughs> new American standard Bible. You're into the NASB lately, huh? I Man, I have been, actually, for my personal Bible study. Uh, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Although, I mean, it's no passion translation, dude. But, uh, so I was listening while I'm flipping over to Genesis chapter 16. Um, I was listening to some of our older theonauts and one that I really loved. And I think we need to retouch on and modernize is the whole transmission of the Bible and, uh, and, uh, and some, uh, like some, you know, uh, basically how we got the Bible. I think that we need to re redo that one at some point. Yeah, because I be think great. that's a such an important one. But all right, now that because we did all that, that real early on, right? Exactly. So look in Genesis chapter sixteen. I'm just going to read Genesis chapter sixteen, and we're going to look at the Christophany that appears here. Okay. Um, a, a lot of people don't <laughs> realize this is one of the lesser known, but it's it's a really powerful one to me. Um, starting in verse one of chapter 16, it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. He's like, okay. (laughs) it's hilarious uh and also it should be noted before this if you you haven't read the story of god and abram thus far god has already promised him an heir and promised him that his descendants will um be like the stars in the sky and made his this is right on the tail end of making the covenant with abram where god puts abram to sleep and mm-hmm. then walks through the trench of blood and Which makes is probably the... another Christophany. Yeah, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> but he's made, he makes a uh, a promise a uh, you know with Abram. So they're trying to fulfill this on themselves, for themselves. Verse three: Abram had lived ten years in the land of Cabram, Canaan. Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that he had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. Shocker, by the way. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. works out. Yeah. One of my kids asked, sorry, I'm going off on tangents, but uh, <laughs> we're doing these question and answer times in uh, in our youth group right now. One of my kids asked, you know, why is 
polygamy so bad when it's all over the Old Testament mm-hmm. and all Good the question. patriarchs were, you know, polygamists. And my answer is anytime you have more than one wife, you have heartache. <laughs> <laughs> And here's a great example of it right here. <laughs> Throughout the Old Testament, every single one of these guys had trouble because of his multiple wives. But anyways, okay. Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done upon me be upon you. Yes. <laughs> Whose idea was this, by the way? <laughs> I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. <laughs> but Abram, yeah, not but, not her and me, yeah, you and me, you and me. This is your right. fault, right? But Abram said to Sarai, "Behold, your maid is in your power. Do what it, for her what is good in your sight." So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her parent uh, presence. All right, so Hagar runs away. She's a slave wife, mm-hmm. and from Sarai, Egypt. yep, treats her harm harmfully in some way. Now, here's the Christophany. Now, the angel of the Lord, and and most of the times whenever you see a Christophany in the Old Testament, this phrase, the angel of the Lord, and the Lord is usually, uh, um, is pretty much always Yahweh in this this, Mm -hmm. uh, Christophany. The angel of the Lord, it's found around 30-something times in the Old Testament. A lot of people assume it's a messenger of God, but... If it's a messenger, then there's some really problematic themes here. Yep. And let me show you what I mean. Now, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I, now that's a big deal right there. Mm -hmm. I, not God, not Yahweh, not Elohim. I, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child. You will bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. He will be <laughs> against everyone. He And everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. Mm -hmm. She called the angel of the Lord a God who sees. This is dangerous right there. This could be idol worship if it's not God, right? Yes. (laughs) Because he's an angel. There are several other places wherever angels show up and the men start bowing down to them, that the angels immediately stop them from doing that and say, no, 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 don't do that. I'm, I'm just an angel. I'm a messenger. And yet this guy, whoever this guy is, doesn't do that. Nope. He allows this. He takes the title. He takes the title. For she said, I have remained alive here after seeing him. Or have I remained alive 
here after seeing him. What is she saying there? She's saying that she's seen God and lived. Yes. Which is shocking, right? Which is kind of cool because it's like, um, uh, like uh, the, the play on the words about seeing right here, looking upon and seeing because this term that she uses, um, this proper name that she gives him is uh, El Rai, right. or the God who sees, and uh, and then he, and then turns around and says, uh, "I have seen him who looks after me." So there's yeah. all this. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Therefore, the well was called Ber Lalhalal Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. Hagar <laughs> bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. All right, so this first one is just, it's a huge one. And I, it's shocking to me how much it's overlooked because, again, there's so much here that, that points to the angel of the Lord being God incarnate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, you have that, that verse, no one has seen God, right? Right. And so this is except that through Christ, except through Christ, and this is that this is a a direct picture. I of have that seen happening. him, and he sees I, me. Yeah, and I have lived right. Yes, <laughs> it's huge. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's how that's how we kind of are. That's where these thoughts about this um, pre-incarnate Christ takes root. It, it and it's like. There's there's value. We'll get to by the end of here. We'll get to talking about a little bit why then was it important that he actually come and be born a human? It's a little. There's a different thing happening here, right? So, so it, th- this doesn't take away from that. This is not taking away from that at all. This is him. Basically, he is referred to as the angel or the messenger. The word that's used here is is means messenger. Right. Of Yahweh. So he's God's voice. He is the Father's voice. He is he is the part of God that his job is to work with us intimately. Yes. And so that becomes more apparent when he actually is born a man, but at this point, he is still doing his same job. Right. <laughs> Which is being intimately involved uh with us. Yes, absolutely. He is Emmanuel. Um, so we see that um, there's there's other instances of this. In fact, this little area of Genesis is kind of packed full. Yes, it is. Of, of these experiences. Right. Um, Abram himself encounters God uh, like, almost 10 times. Like, it's crazy how many times God comes to him. And there's other examples of other people experiencing God sometimes in a dream. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, it didn't always happen in a dream for Abram. There were also, there were, there were physical, uh, appearances of God as well. Uh, sure. the one, I, the one I want to talk about is a couple of chapters later, we jump forward into chapter 18. So, um, kind of the context of this is God has basically been saying, to Abraham and Sarah, look, this is not going to happen through Ishmael. It's going to happen through Isaac. It's going to happen through a, a natural child born to you, Sarah. <laughs> and um, 
this was hard for them to grasp. In fact, God has to tell them more than once that this is literal. Like, I'm not being metaphoric. Like, this is literally going to happen. Right. And in order to actually punch this home, um, God makes an appearance to them. So let's go to chapter 18. I want to look there in the first, beginning of the first verse. It says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. Okay, so like the Bible often does, it says this is what happened. And then it it goes and explains the details of the story. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and void. And so it goes exactly. and explains then from that point forward right. what, what it meant by that first verse. So, or, or God created man and female, and then he goes into detail and he explains how he created them, right? Right. So, this is a typical uh, biblical narrative. This is how the, the, the Bible reads. Right. So this first verse says, The Lord appeared to him, and again, that is Yahweh uh, in the Hebrew. Uh, The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. Singular, the Lord. Now listen to Mm -hmm. the next verse. He lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from his tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Now, there's some w- wacky um, tenses or um, um, plurality type of, of things happening here. Like he's using the, the, a singular verb and he's using a singular term to talk to three individuals. Right. So there's this constant movement here. You're going to see confusing language. Between these three individuals and the term the Lord. Right. And um, one of the things I find interesting about these appearances, it's almost there's almost any question in the in the recipient's mind who this is. Like they tend to know. I just had an experience with God like. Right. Yeah. Like Hagar, like it was like right off the bat, like. This is God. This is right. I've, I've experienced God. Exactly. Uh, not, you know, I saw a ghost or I saw an angel or, I mean, it's like I experienced God. Right. And so, and so he immediately bows down to him, to them, and says, Oh, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by me. So he's recognizing this is the almighty and he's worshiping him as such. And as you said, angels won't accept this, right? Angels will kick this to the curb real quick. Um, but that's not exactly what happens. It says, um, he says, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves. And now he's turned plural under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent uh, to Sarah and said, quick, three sayas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf 
a tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Okay, so this is a cool thing to me because Abram's like, let's feed these guys. This is God. This is God. Let's (laughs) feed him. Let's feed him. Hurry, kill the calf. Okay, now, I don't know if you've ever, like here in Texas, you know, I mean, we've act, you know, some of us grew up around seeing calves butchered and things of this nature, right? Right. This is not a quick process. No, it's not. That's right. <laughs> so he, so he's like, hurry, kill the calf <laughs> and prepare it. And so he's making a big deal out of this. One of the things that we find throughout the New Testament, when, when we watch Jesus interact with people, what is he almost always doing? Eating with them. He's eating with them all the time. Right. In fact, he'll say, hey, have y'all, have y'all have any meat? Y'all have any fish? Y'all caught any fish tonight? Like, he's constantly doing this. Right. And uh, and even whenever they caught the fish to bring them in, he was already cooking it on the shore. Like, Yep. And you mentioned the road to Emmaus again. It was like, come on in and eat with me. All right. I'm all about that. So there's this constant uh, theme of God eating with or Christ eating with people. Right. And so, and so we have that here. And, um, and it says uh, in verse nine, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. Again, we've switched to a plural term, the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind them. And now Abram and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, I I am a worn out and my Lord is old. Shall I have pleasure? (laughs) (laughs) The Lord, singular, said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at that appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was (laughs) afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. (laughs) So it's, again, if we look at Jesus and how he interacts with people, this is a pretty common type of thing, right? Right. He loves to play with us. Like, there's this jovial type of thing like she's scared to death because she got caught laughing about this and he's like uh i got you <laughs> i could just kind of see him wagging his finger at him at a, you know i i heard that in fact yep. y- 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 you're gonna name this boy he laughs <laughs> so i love that that's so, so beautiful so uh anyway the men set out from there and they looked down towards sodom and Abram went with them and and to set them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? <laughs> so it's cool. Again, a very Jesus type of thing, right? Right. The Lord said, hmm, talking to his his other parts, shall, uh, shall we tell Abraham what we're about to do? <laughs> Probably said that loud enough that Abraham could hear it, right? Right. Uh, and it's like, you know, there's not, they're not like really trying to debate this. They're want, this is for Abraham's benefit. Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great man and a mighty nation and all the nations there shall be blessed in him. 
which is a irony here. He's referring to himself. He's referring right. that blessing that's going to come from Abraham is going to be the incarnate Jesus. Like that's what right. he's talking about here. He says, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and the household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's promised him. The thing mm. that he's talking about is himself. Right. So, so good. Um, and then the Lord said, because the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I'll go down and see whether they have done all, what, uh, see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come before me. And if not, I will know. So this is almost like, okay, God is all knowing. He knows what's going on in Sodom. Like, <laughs> this is, right. This is not news. All of this is for Abraham's benefit. Right. He's, he's not messing with, but he's, he's, he's revealing to Abraham, you know, truth about who he is, which is a mm -hmm. big deal. And, you know, I won't continue to read the rest of the chapter, but this is the moment when Abraham gets to negotiate with God about the Sodom and Gomorrah issue. Right. And, and I, I love it. I think it's God wanting to have relationship with Abram. Like this is, he's wanting to, to befriend him. He's wanting to have this, this uh, rapport, mm -hmm. which Abraham does not let him down. Like Abraham <laughs> pulls out the most chutzpah ever. He knows he's <laughs> talking to the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. And he's constantly like, well, I know I said 50, but you know what? If, just what if I'm just playing hypothetical here? Right. What if, what if, what if 40, what if 30, yeah. what if 10? It, yeah. And it's like, he just keeps going down and it makes me kind of wonder what would have happened if Abraham would have continued to go past 10, because right. obviously 10 weren't found. Right. Um, so anyway, it's just a, it's a beautiful um, picture of friendship and relationship and grace given to these old people who are beyond the years of childbearing, but yet, and he's laughingly, he's laughing with them. And I love the name Isaac. He tells them what to name this child. Yep. The name Isaac means he laughs. Right. It's so the irony in it. It's just, it's so cool. Right. Um, so to me, this is a good picture of Christ and Abraham. Um, one, one of the things that, that also gives power to this is, you know, we mentioned John, uh, at the first and the book of John is actually a good resource for this because the whole point of the book of John is that Jesus is God, right? Like, that's the entire, uh, that's the, the overarching message John's trying to convey is that, Jesus isn't just a guy who had good teachings. Jesus is the very God himself. God incarnate. And it's yes. such an important thing that, that John's trying to get across. Before Abraham was, I am. Yeah, I mean, so, so let's look at that passage, because I think that, that that is very indicative of this story. I think that, that Jesus is pretty much making reference to this encounter we just read about. Um so Jesus is having a bickering uh, conversation with the Pharisees. And um, and let's see, I'm just going to start somewhere around um, verse 52 of, of John 8. 
It says, the Jews said to him, we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, what's he talking about? <laughs> right, exactly. It sounds like he has some intimate knowledge of who Abraham was. It sounds like he has intimate knowledge and friendship with Abraham mm-hmm. there. And He's, that's why they respond in the next verse with... Yeah, they're like, so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the the temple. So he blasphemed in in uh, in their sight because... He actually used the word, the name of God in this statement when he yep. said, I am. He basically said, I am God. Yep. Um, and his whole point was, yes, I did know Abraham. I had, a, I had an intimate relationship with Abraham. I laughed with Abraham. I named Abraham's son for him. And so, I mean, this is so cool. I just think that, that this is like, uh, Jesus remembering back to Genesis 18. Like I, I just right. kind of feel that they just go hand in hand with one another. Sure. Absolutely. So, so the one I have, the next one I have picked out is probably besides the, the Passover to me is the most powerful picture of um, not just Jesus, but also of, of the sacrifice that he was going to to offer up on our behalf. And that's the story of, you know, Abraham offering up his son, Isaac. But in this story itself, we have a picture, another picture of the angel of the Lord, which is a huge thing that unless you like really stop and ponder this, uh, you might skip over it. So if you, you, we know the story in in, uh, Genesis chapter two, and um and I'll read the first couple of verses. It says in now twenty two, you mean? Yeah, Genesis twenty two. Is that what I said? Yeah, you Sorry. said Genesis two. Oh, Genesis chapter twenty two says now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Uh God there, by the way, uh is actually Elohim, not the Lord. Um yeah. so he said to him Take your own son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I tell you. Okay? So, Abraham does exactly what Elohim asked him to do. He packs up his son, leaves in the morning with servants, packs up wood on the donkey and takes a knife and 
and heads out towards Mount Moriah. And they finally get there, during which time Abraham or Isaac says, and there's something really important here. Um, Verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham and he said to him, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. Um, But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself. And the Hebrew actually reads, God, he himself mm-hmm. will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And that, I mean, that is such a huge picture of yes. Christ. So good. Yeah, he himself, it's it's God incarnate providing the sacrifice. So anyways, they get down there and uh, Abraham ties him up and puts him on the wood and he raises his hand. He's about to kill him. Verse 11 is really interesting. But the angel of the Lord, there he is again, angel mm-hmm. of Yahweh, mm-hmm. called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, this is angel of the Lord talking. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Two things here. First, he says, you do not fear Elohim, (laughs) since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What's he saying there? He is Elohim. The angel of the Lord. <laughs> the the angel of the Lord. He is Yahweh. Like, this is a Christophany. This is an appearance. Oh, my goodness. And Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, uh, behind him a ram was caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went, took the ram, and offered him as a burnt sacrifice in place of his son. Abraham called the place called the name of that place and again we have another name of a place because Mm -hmm. of this the lord will provide uh as it is to this day in the mount of the lord it will be provided (laughs) Ah! so you have this amazing picture of the angel of the lord coming and staying abraham's hand from killing isaac and giving abraham another sacrifice Yes. And he himself is providing. Oh, man. It's like, ah, it's amazing. Wait, you think, how? Yeah. You think about it because you know, we've talked about this story before on the Theonauts. This is the actual location. Right. That uh, That's why it's important that it gets named and all this sort of thing. It's the actual sure. location that a couple of thousand years from now, Jesus himself will go through this process again, only no one will stay the hand. Like it's, it, it's going to actually happen. Right. And um, the Lord will provide on this mount. <laughs> he will provide yeah. himself on this mount. Um, ah, it's so deep. Right. If you, if you keep reading on, the, the angel of the Lord speaks again and tells mm-hmm. him that he is going to, he, he re- recounts the the uh the promise he made to him that he would greatly bless him and greatly multiply his seed 
right? And this is, I mean, it's such an important, this right here, this encounter is such an important picture uh, of Christ in the Old Testament. I mean, I for me, I don't know how you get past what this is other than this is God in the Old Testament showing Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, a couple thousand years before Christ Jesus walked the earth, which is huge, you know? So th- that one, actually, it's my favorite Christophany mm-hmm. out of all of them. Like, it's just, it's so powerful. There's no getting around it, yeah. in, in my my opinion. But Well, you know, you mentioned his statement um, afterward, and if you look at it, it is confusing. Like, right. if you didn't understand that this is God in some form, like th- this is this is a uh, a personage of God, right? It, it doesn't even read right. Like, if you no, it, it, verse fifteen says, "And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn,' declares, declares the Lord.'" The Lord. <laughs> and so it's like he's. He's swearing by himself, and he's de- he's he is declaring it by uh, the Lord using the using the actual unpronounceable Yahweh term. Like, right? He's basically saying, "I am." That's the yep. same the same thing Jesus said to the Pharisees. Yep. So literally, right so there. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. All right, you had a third one. Oh, so. Uh, Yes. So this or a fourth. I guess this is a fourth one now. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this is the one that made me really want to do the episode anyway. So okay, right. we've we've talked about theophanies quite a bit on the show, but like you said, we've never really compiled them and and been all about. And I, and I haven't actually talked about this one, and so I'm kind of jazzed to talk about it. And that is sure. about ten chapters later. So if we go to uh, now Genesis. Uh, 32. So we moved uh, in in generations a little bit. We're up to right. Jacob. So Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, Isaac's son. Yep. And um, so before we get to this scene, this isn't the first theophany either that Jacob uh, has. Like he he meets God on on the way out of town whenever he leaves his home. And, um, but it's like a very religious experience. It's not uh, a personal intimate one. Um, and we're going to see here, this one's very intimate, intimate. This is about as intimate as it gets <laughs> whenever you actually, uh, have some sort of encounter with God. Right. And, um, but Jacob's character is always an interesting one to me. Because I love the fact that God uses flawed people because it gives us all hope. I mean, I think we can all relate to the Apostle Peter a little bit. You know, when we see all of Peter's flaws, we go, oh, thank goodness, because I got that. (laughs) I got that. Like, yeah, that's me. I would have been that guy. Like, yep. uh, (laughs) And and so I love the fact that all these these characters are flawed. But Jacob's flawed in in such a unique way that I've never... I've never really related to Jacob. Like, I I don't feel personally like, oh, yeah, that guy's me. Um, But Jacob's the type of person that when you read about him, you go, man, what a jerk. Like, like, I don't like Jacob. Like, (laughs) like his 
so to kind yeah, of yeah, re- out of out of all of those, out of, out of all the patriarchs, Jacob's the the jerkiest one in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's. He's he he plays favoritism. He's right. he's conniving. Right. He's um, so his name his name is very important. His so his name Jacob in the Hebrew and it means heel catcher, someone right. who who's constantly you know uh, pulling you back like whatever like constantly uh, he's a deceiver. It, sure. The, so the the name is like. Uh, one who is conniving, one who is uh, who is deceptive, and if we look, he's born grabbing the heel, physically grabbing the heel of his twin brother Esau, and he basically chases Esau throughout his childhood, and right uh, first he he kind of weasels his way into uh, Esau's birthright, which is the 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 money the you know the 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 lion's share that you get as the older brother when it when it, when you're talking about the inheritance and he's basically says hey I want your double portion because the 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 first guy always got the double portion and Esau had just been out on a hard day's hunt and he was starving to death in his mind and um, here's Jacob fixing a pot of stew, you know, nice beans, you know, and it tastes, looks really good. Right. Esau's like, man, I wish I had some of them red beans in <laughs> And he's like, well, you know, if you just give me your double portion, there we'll, you go. we'll call it good. And he was like, well, it won't do me any good if I'm, de- if I'm dead of, of starvation. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the scriptures cast Esau in a pretty bad light about this because he didn't honor he didn't he didn't see it as an honorable thing but anyway getting off topic a little bit jacob is he tech took advantage of the situation and he took advantage of esau's uh situation and basically squandered him or uh got the got his birthright from him and then later on whenever uh isaac is about to die um isaac it's time for him to give the blessing upon his son. Now, this is a different thing. This is this the blessing has to do with uh, who carries on the line, who's going to be the next patriarch, who's going to who who is going to be the one who calls all the shots in this family from here on, and right. um, and it's usually seen as the word of God. So when the patriarch speaks, the blessing that he speaks is God speaking through him to whoever he's giving the blessing to. And Jacob and his mom work up a little scheme and trick Isaac into blessing him instead of Esau. He wanted to bless Esau, but instead he ends up blessing Jacob. And it's kind of confusing because you might think, you know, why can't he just undo this when he finds out that it's really, well, because of the way they viewed it. They viewed it as a godly thing, and God did this. And so he couldn't take it back. He gave the blessing to uh, Jacob. So we see Jacob basically um, conniving his way into this. So, mm-hmm. and it just keeps on going. He goes into, he leaves because of this. Esau wants to kill him. So he leaves and he ends up going and he, and he marries his cousin from Haran. And um, 
And even in this whole thing, he kind of meets his match. You kind of see where the apple was that fell not too far from the tree. <laughs> his uncle Laban is kind of a conniver too. And so he kind of gets his, a taste of his own medicine. So we don't see much good coming from Jacob as far as being honorable. So now we come to the part where he's now, he's got wives, he's got children, he's got uh, children by handmaids, and he's coming back home and he's coming to see Esau and he's scared to death about it because he is afraid Esau is going to kill him. Right. So uh, in the story, he's, it's the day before he encounters Esau and he sends all his family across the river and he's all alone. And so I want to pick up on what happens now in, um, in this experience. This is verse 22 of Genesis 32. It says, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Yabak. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Okay, so this is strange. <laughs> right. It says a man wrestled with him. It's it doesn't... so, yeah, it's so odd and, uh, you know, ambiguous at the beginning there. Random. Like, right. what man? Like, and why is he wrestling? Like, what's, right. what's happening here? So it says he was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, simply touched it, (laughs) and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day's broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so, hmm. So let's stop for a minute. Remember what, what we said about when people encounter these theophanies. They tend to know that they're dealing with God. Right. It just kind of seems to happen. Like they yep. they immediately know that they're that they're that they're actually encountering God, which again shows you that Jacob inherited his grandfather's chutzpah. Not only yep. is he negotiating <laughs> He's wrestling with God. He's physically fighting him. Like he's physically wrestling with him and won't let him go. (laughs) Right. And tells him, uh, no, I ain't gonna let you go unless you bless me. Like, (laughs) which I think he gets more than he really bargains for. Like, it's not exactly what he asked for, but in verse 27, it says, uh, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Well, then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Mm. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And so Jacob called the the name of the place. Here we go again. We got to name a place. Yep. Penuel saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Yep. So, um, oh man, 
there's so much happening in this little story. <laughs> like it's so short and it's so vague, but there's so much wordplay and so much interesting things that are happening. So obviously this is God he's wrestling with. It becomes clear at the end. Uh, first off, he asked for the blessing. Um, and then you have this conversation with him. And when he asked him his name, the man says, why are you asking my name? Like, you should know who I am. You know who right, I you am. You know who I am. Yeah, I, you have no need to ask my name. I think this is confirmation on Jacob's part. You want to make sure, you know. And then mm. I imagine when when reality sits in for him that he he literally has been wrestling with God. That's when he names the place, which means the face of God. Peniel means yes. the face of God. And and he says, For I I've seen God's face yes. and I'm I'm alive. I can't believe that. You know, yes, I, I might be limping the rest of my life, but right. I but I will re- I I have seen him and survived. Yeah. Um, which is not uncommon from what Hagar said, right? Remember? I have seen him and yep. he has seen me. Um, and yet I am alive. And yet I'm alive. So this is the same type of thing. But here's here's one of the things that sets this one apart for me. Like one of the things I really love about this. This is not only just an encounter with God of having a conversation. There's something deep happening here. Why wrestling? Like, right. and, and notice it's not Jacob who does the wrestling. It says a man wrestled with him. Like right. God comes down. Jesus is like, hey, Let's see what you got. And just. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we have this little wrestling match taking place. So first off, that's weird. Then you've got. Um, but you've got Jacob's personality is is fascinating. Yeah. From here on, Jacob doesn't. He's not the same. It's not the same Jacob. Like all this stuff that happened before. In fact, he's about to meet his brother. Yep. And it, it's a different story. It's the opposite. And so there's so much symbology happening. So um, you've got, um, first off, let's look at some of the names in here. They mm. mentioned the name of the river where this occurs is Yabak, um, which is, or Jabok, as you were to read it kind of in English, it starts with a J. Yep. Um, the, that word means empty, emptying, like a verb, emptying. And um, then you look at Jacob's name, which is pronounced in the Hebrew, Yachab, Yabak, Yachab. So you see this, this kind of a, um, uh, a similar wordplay in it. Um, so you've got the, uh, this, um, even the river itself is really a wadi. It's, um, it, it empties into the Jordan river. Like it's, that's right. what it does. And that's why you've got the term emptying happen, happening here. Well, this term, uh, wrestling that's happening, um, is a, a, a word this is Yabek. So you got Yaqab, you got at the river Yabak, and he is Yaabeking <laughs> with God. So Yaabek, the word for wrestling, can also 
uh, it, it has a root word of dust or getting dusty, getting dirty in the meaning of the word. Huh. So you've got God coming down into the dirt, getting dirty with Jacob, the heel catcher, the deceiver, and emptying him at the river Yabak. So wow. there's all this wordplay happening. And it's like what's happening is a picture of what Christ does anyway. Right. Like Christ comes down. He comes to the dirt with us. And if we want to be completely honest with ourselves, do we not wrestle with him? Like mm-hmm. he is in the dirt with us, working through our problems, working through all of, of our of our, our issues. And in the end, he empties himself, right? Yep. Wow. And, and likewise, we empty ourselves at the same time. And so this is a conversion moment for Jacob. This is Jacob experiencing firsthand in a literal way, the same thing every Christian experiences with God in a spiritual way. Right. Uh, and so here, I love this. He's through, he, he's through wrestling with him. And of course, you know, the first question might be, if this is God, how come he couldn't prevail? Well, this is God emptying himself. Remember yep. the Philipp, uh, Philippians 2. Jesus didn't think it robbery to be called God, but. He emptied himself and became nothing, became a servant. So in this moment, he does that. He makes himself basically a wrestler. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And wow. So, and, and so he, he, he becomes like a man, so much so that Jacob prevails against him. And he has to actually pull out the God card for a moment and reach over and touch Jacob's hip. And put, yep. it out, and put it out of joint. Like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> it's time to stop. Um, wow. Now, here's another th- cool thing about this. What does he say to Jacob right after this? He says, Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And his reply is, what is your name? Now, God knows Jacob's name. So, right. Um, so what is, what is, we, we just talked about what Jacob's name means. What is he, he doing? He's asking him, who are you? Who are you? That's right. What's your identity? And in that moment, you know, he reminds Jacob of who he's been, mm-hmm. and then he changes him into mm-hmm. something different in that moment. You know, you've been a heel grabber. Now you're going to be wrestles with God or wrestles with, you know what I mean? Yes. And prevails. And prevails. Yeah. yeah. Which is such a beautiful thing. It's redemption. It's a picture of redemption right there. Well, and it's a picture of uh, confession, too. Right. Like, when Jacob gets his name changed, or when Jacob is asked, what's your name? He basically has to say, I'm a heel catcher. (laughs) That's, you know, it's it's like... It's like confession of fault, right? Of 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 who he is, and um, and so wow. anyway, and and then just like us, we become Christians. We take on a new name. Yep. And this whole taking on a new name is 
a standard part of a lot of these stories. Abram was changed to Abraham. You know, I mean, we have uh, Peter was Simon before he was Peter. Uh, right. So this name changing thing is kind of a, 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 a an often common thing that happens. But he goes from being a heel catcher to, yeah, you might not say it's much better to be uh, struggling with God. Um, but let's see. I saw something here earlier that, um, where was it? That's verse 28, right? So one second. No problem. Okay, Israel means one who struggles with God and prevailed. Um, but it also means this, may God preserve. Mm. So think about that from a Christian, from a Christian standpoint. So yes, he, 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 he still struggles with God, but he's preserved by God. Right. Another, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, another another way to, to to interpret the name Israel is prince with God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good because that's what we are, right? We're kings. Right. We're we're co heirs with Christ. So, uh, oh man, wow. this is so good. There's there's all kinds of stuff happening here. That's a a picture of Christianity. Sure, and it all happens by Christ Himself, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we could spend all night talking about all the different theophanies. Uh, one, that, one that I, or Christophanies in here. One that, one that I found, uh, Zechariah 3, which talks about the redemption of Joshua. The angel of the Lord literally takes away <laughs> Joshua's sin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the the first time that, that, uh, that, God appears to Moses. It's the angel of the Lord uh, calling out of the flame yep. and speaking to Moses. In both instances, he he talks about himself in the first person. One of the most interesting ones that that I find, and of course, I've, we have the story of Melchizedek. We could go into, which is huge. <laughs> uh, we we've done a full theonauts on that one before. What uh, I found just recently, Judges thirteen. Um, the Lord appears to Moana and his wife and basically tells them to make an offering to the Lord. Um, and they don't realize that they're talking to the Lord. And then afterwards, uh, Manoah thought that he and his wife would, were going to die because they had, they realized who they were talking to. They had seen the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's just so so many different things like this. There's a story of Gideon uh, in Judges six, yeah, um, where he's the the um, he fears for his life because he's seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, it's everywhere, it, right? It, and um, it's almost basically every time someone experiences God physically you can pretty much be sure it's a Christophany. Right. Like, like there's, it's like Jesus was involved in this entire process. Yeah. And, 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 and any time you think, well, no, it can't be or whatever, just keep thinking about some of these things that John's saying in the new Testament, you know, right. no one has seen the face of God. 
Like right. it's all happened through Christ. He's yep. he's the ambassador, the physical ambassador, right, uh, of God, and he is God. Yeah, and um, so it just goes on and on. So one of the questions that might arise out of this is then what's the point? Doesn't this steal from his actual incarnation? Does this actually steal? from the story of him coming and being born as an, as an infant of, of Mary and his actual life on the earth and his death on the earth. And I don't think it steals from that at all. I think it elevates it. I think it, it amplifies it. Um, because in all these other stories, he gets to go home. Right. You know, absolutely. And you know, to me, it's just further evidence um, that that God is the author of this great story, and Christ is at the center of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's you see a full on, beautiful, arcing story with man sinning at the beginning and God enacting the plan for Jesus from the beginning all the way through. And there's just in picture after picture of Christ throughout the Old Testament with this, mm-hmm. from Jacob wrestling Christ to, uh, you know, Christ holding the hand for, of Abraham away from, you know, killing the uh, killing his son to, you know. Well, and all... look, what, look what those things do, too. They, they point to a picture of what he will physically do. Right. So you've got the story there with, uh, with Abraham and Isaac, and it's going to happen. Same thing's going to happen on this right. mountain. Like it's yeah. a picture of something that is going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking to Abraham saying, uh, the promise I made to him is going to come true. What is that? The promise of himself, the promise of his actual incarnation. That's right. He comes and wrestles with Jacob and it's a picture of the actual incarnation and how we experience Christ yeah. So, like, these just amplify the the story, the greatest story ever told, which is Jesus coming and actually ex, uh, coming to the dirt to wrestle with mankind, to <coughs> to deal with our sins, and to take it all upon Himself and to die on the cross. And if He yep. didn't go through the process, then you know it it wouldn't have mattered if He came down in pre incarnate form, right? You know, actually coming down and actually being human. Um, made him, gave him the ability to be a worthy sacrifice and therefore to atone for our sins and overcome death to, resur- to resurrect over it. So very important that he actually came. It doesn't steal from it, in my opinion, at all. Nope, so. not at all. Well, I think that about does it for Theophanies. You want to turn oh. to some news? Yeah, let's do that. So okay. And now the news. Go ahead. Sorry, I you, you I, can't. You can't hear the stingers. No, I can't. I, you know, <laughs> one of the one of the problems about recording from Oklahoma and Texas at the same time. So, I don't know if you've heard about the the equality legislation that uh, just passed um, the House in a sweeping resolution. Um, the bill passed the Democratic held House, uh, and then. You know, it's it's probably going to be enacted, but the, basically the legislation says that you cannot discriminate. It basically puts LGBTQ under the uh, 
um, under the legislation that was that that was put in place during the uh, civil rights movement, um, basically saying you cannot discriminate at all based off of in, in hiring or in any way, um, um, based off of sexual preference, um, or you know sexual identity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the little known things about this this legislation is that it also revokes the 1994 Religious Freedom Act that basically said that religious institutions are exempt. Uh, religious institutions and nonprofits are exempt from uh, these, these laws that say you can't discriminate um, against LGBTQ people. Basically what that means is this, simply... Um, to put it, to put it bluntly, if, if someone were to get a hankering to sue a church because they wanted to have their marriage in the church and the church said, we, we, we can't allow you to get married in this church because, uh, we believe based off of religious reasons that this marriage is not a a holy union, right? Right. They can be sued. With without any like defense, <laughs> it also means that a lot of nonprofits, uh, pregnancy crisis centers, um, homeless shelters, who discriminate based off of religious beliefs mm-hmm. on their hiring and on the services they provide, will not be protected anymore from from civil suits. Um, and you know, so the worst case scenario, they remove our and. and they could remove our five hundred one c threes, our nonprofit statuses, which a lot of people don't think that's a big deal. But what that means, basically, if you're a church and you get tithes and offerings, you have to pay taxes on those tithes and offerings if you're not a five hundred one c three, because they're considered income, not considered donation. Right. So. This is a huge war going down, and it's it's splitting, of course, the Senate and and the uh, um, the the House is, of course, democratically led, so they pretty much passed it. But there's a good chance that this will pass under the current legislation. So mm-hmm. just be ready, because on the broader stroke, this this means more. I believe means more persecution for the church coming. Um, which is going to be really fun to navigate. Uh, so, anyways, that's uh, that's a major thing, yeah. yeah, happening right now. Also, uh, I don't know if you saw in the news lately or or on social media this pastor sermon that's getting so much backlash on sexism, basically. Really, but yeah, he was a Missouri pastor. And basically, he some of the some of the things that he said. So he was he was doing. I guess he was doing a sermon on husbands and wives and unity or whatever. But he said one of the biggest issues is weight loss with women. <laughs> he, he's he made some statements like this is why I don't do. Uh, marriage counseling anymore because I'll bring up, you know, because women don't want me to bring up 
the fact that if they lose, they don't lose weight, their husband might not like them anymore. <laughs> he posted, he put up on the screen a picture of Trump's wife. What's her name? Malia? Melania. Melania Trump. Yeah. And he's like, not all of us can be trophy wife. Not all of you can be trophy wives like <laughs> this. <laughs> but, uh, but you know you can you can still try your best. He's like he's like he goes he goes. I have a buddy that uh, has a has a number that he tells his wife that if she doesn't or if she goes beyond that that weight number that he'll divorce her. Like <laughs> so, oh my gosh! So, anyways, he preached that and immediately got. Huge backlash. He's taken a leap of leap of absence uh, since. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is in February twenty first, um, and basically the and the church. If you go to the website, it's, it says that uh, he's uh, seeking pers- personal professional counseling. <laughs> um, so yeah, I need to get clips of this guy. For our oh, stingers, so on YouTube, he's all he's all over YouTube. Just, uh, just. I, I, I'm, I'm about to wear out. Jim, one of his, you know, one the, of his one of his best quotes. He goes, "You know, uh, they ha- they've discovered scientists have discovered a uh, a food that is a natural anti aphrodisiac. It's called <laughs> it's called wedding cake." This is what he says. Why is it that so many times women, after they get married, let themselves go? Here's how <laughs> way too many women are. I've got him now, so the chase is over. Hey, that's when you're wrong. The chase ain't over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's like, you don't need to look like a butch. Wow. <laughs> Men have a need for their women to look like women. Sweatpants don't cut it all the time. Wearing flip-flops and pajamas at the Walmart ain't gonna, ain't gonna work. Ain't nothing attractive about that. Men want their wives to look good at home and in public. Can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So, yeah, you could get all these quotes, but is uh, oh, he, was pre- he was preaching out of 1 Corinthians 7-4, I guess. <laughs> The variators, and what's the best? The best thing is he's wearing a Wonder Woman T-shirt in the like in the clip. So yeah, apparently, <laughs> wow, dude, wow, yeah, that's pretty so, crazy. Yeah, pull some pull some clips. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so did you hear the newest thing to get canceled in our cancel culture? Oh, uh, there's no telling. What 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 are we canceling today, Kermit? I heard Kermit. No. I heard Kermit's getting canceled. Kermit the Frog. Doctor Seuss books, six of oh, them. Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Over insensitive, insensitive imagery. Um, basically, like they're saying that they're some of his portrayals of ethnic groups are racist. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the problem is, I mean, if you actually read his books, uh. Like he's anti-racist, like so much. He did polit political 
you know, cartoons about racism and how bad it was growing up. I mean, you, you've read the Sneetches story, right? Mm -hmm. About all the different Sneetches with different, you know, stars and different places and how everybody's equal and, uh, it's just crazy. So a lot of people have banned, I guess, uh, there there were six books that that have been banned from uh from children's libraries because of because of his see people are just displays. losing their minds like I, I, seriously uh the same it was basically the same thing that Disney's doing with Kermit you know they they uh I say Kermit with the Muppet show so mm-hmm. the Muppet show they just added the Muppet show to Disney Plus right but if you watch any of it like there's like a disclaimer in front of it like these are things that were wrong then and they're wrong now. Like it comes right out and says that like in the front of it, but you know, we're still presenting it because of its historical uh, context or whatever, but it's like what exactly because the Muppets kind of some Muppet Muppets have stereotypical features, you know, of different races. And I guess that's what they're doing, but it's crazy. And, you know, I was just talking with uh, some friends of ours, about um, it's getting to the point to where satire won't even be a won't even be a thing anymore because people no. don't get satire anymore. Uh, a good example of this is the movie Blazing Saddles. You know the Mel oh, Brooks yeah. movie could never be made now because the 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 just the rampant racism that's in it. But what people don't understand is that the movie is anti-racist. Like, oh yeah, like it uses. It uses racism to show how stupid racists are. Like that's the whole point of the movie. Like it's like it's so. It's like satire. It, that's right. exactly what satire is supposed to do. Is is to present the opposite view in such a foolish light that sure. you, that you could uh, that you will agree with the with the the, the view that's not being presented. Uh, and it's like this concept is lost on people because of political correctness. Like it's just, we're losing that type of, of, uh, of, I don't want to say freedom, but that type of, of poetic expression of trying to get a point across. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the books, um, Dr. Seuss's enterprises announced that made the decision last year, basically to cease publication and licensing on, um, and I, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, if I ran the zoo, McElligot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, and The Cat's Quizzer. And it says, this is their statement, these books portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong, the statement reads. Ceasing sales of these books is only part of our commitment and our broader plan to ensure Dr. Seuss Enterprise's catalog represents and supports all communities and families. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just well, cancel culture crap, and it's uh, it's the value of those books just went up. You can oh find, yeah, you'll, fi- you'll find them on eBay for a hundred dollars a piece. Thank you, Meredith Neal, for buying Blakely a copy, and to think I saw it uh, uh, on Mulberry Street. We have that in our uh, ah. library, so uh, I'll see uh, how much I can sell this in about ten years <laughs> for a pretty penny. And be nice. <laughs> yeah, don't tell Meredith how much you sold it for. <laughs> All right, and check out this headline. The guy who made that giant golden statue of Trump wants you to know that it's definitely not an idol. 
Over over the weekend, a larger-than-life golden statue of former President Donald Trump was wheeled through the halls of the cons- uh, Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida. It's a ridiculous statue featuring Trump holding the Constitution in one hand, a magic wand in the other, and supporting a pair of star-spangled board shorts. It was a huge hit. <laughs> on the balance, Christian cheering a golden statue feels a long a little on the nose, as metaphor goes, and the whole thing sparked a weekend-long debate about just what an idol is and what crosses the line. <laughs> Obviously, plenty of usual Republican critics expressed their discomfort, but quite a few conservatives were unhappy with the unfolding optics as well. Uh, Matt Walsh says, Gotta say I'm not a huge fan of making literal golden idols out of political figures. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah it's so funny uh jared huffman they love the second amendment but not so much the second commandment <laughs> <laughs> christian De- uh christian demez says reading the bible i always thought really a calf all that gold and a calf but now i'm thinking if you're going to throw your gold <laughs> into a fire a calf really isn't the worst thing <laughs> The the statue is the work of Tommy Zegan, an American expat who uh, carted his creation up over the border from Mexico where he lives. Zegan is a former youth pastor, and he took umbrage with the idea that he built an idol. It's not an idol, he told Medialite. I know the biblical definition of an idol. This isn't an idol. This is a sculpture. Zegan has two versions of the statue. He hopes to sell the famous golden one for $100,000 and has dreams that the second, a stainless steel number, will find a home in a future Trump presidential library. In fact, he already tried once to present Trump with his uh, uh, with his sculpture at uh, Malargo as a birthday <laughs> present, but security wouldn't let him through the front door. <laughs> I got a statue of you! It's not an idol. <laughs> I swear. Oh my goodness. All right, how so, how about some good news? Yes. Ada Ada Oklahoma, so my state. Ada First United Methodist Church in Oklahoma is the most recent church body to jump on one of the coolest church trends in recent years. Fancy leather jackets for the pastor? No. The other cool trend Imagine dragon songs during worship? No, the other children. You know, the one where churches partner with uh, RIP medical debt to buy up tons of medical debt in the area for pennies on the dollar and then forgive it all. It's very cool. RIP medical debt is basically the good version of a loan shark. When predatory businesses purchase medical debt on the cheap and then drive the interest rates uh, up interest rates, burdening people with ever-growing expenses. RAP Medical Debt buys it up and forgives it all, changing people's lives at a cheap price. Wow. Yeah, so these guys, let's see, they bought, oh, tons, millions upon millions millions, uh, in medical debt forgiven because of this uh, Oklahoma church and RAP Medical Debt. So that's great. Yeah, that's wonderful news. You know, I wish more uh, more churches would get on this 
wagon because you know it's just a good picture of what we're supposed to be about mm-hmm. um so anyways good on you first united methodist church of oklahoma of ada oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, that was from Relevant Magazine. All right, so one last thing. Let's hop in the TARDIS. Okay, I'm cranking it up right now. Got it going on. We ready? Yeah, you're on. Okay, good. The TARDIS has stopped. Today, in 1986... There was a death in Bethany, West Virginia of Alexander Alexander Campbell. Oh. Co-founder of Stone Campbell Movement and later that diverged into the Disciples of Christ and... The Churches of Christ. The Churches of Christ. So, mm-hmm. you know, they don't like being called Campbellites. They're definitely the Church of Christ, <laughs> not Campbellites. But Alexander Campbell... What do you think about him, David? Alexander Campbell was a pretty awesome guy. He actually was. The the, um, the movement went completely away from his original intent. Like it did. That's absolutely right. Like his his entire movement was about unity of the churches. Yeah, that, that was his goal. That was what it was. He was a Presbyterian, and. Um, and and move and wanted to move toward bringing all these churches together in instead mm-hmm. of dividing them. So, man, I'm learning so <laughs> much in my uh, in my Baptist uh, heritage class. And one of the things I've learned more than anything else is uh, over a hundred years before you guys, uh, not you guys, but the Churches of Christ were uh, singing a cappella. Mm-hmm. The yes, Baptist was. Church was singing a cappella, and not only that, before that, they didn't allow anybody but men to sing. And before that, they only allowed one person in the church to sing. And it was like he wasn't allowed to, they they called it warbling. He wasn't allowed to go off script of what was there on the paper or whatever. And the warbling. Yeah, but, Isn't that what birds do? I guess so. But uh, they they didn't even allow. He's like in the they, back. <laughs> They didn't allow instruments <laughs> until the uh, very late 1700s. So there mm. you go. Now you know. The more you know. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Alexander Campbell, for your contribution to yes. Christianity. Man, that guy, he was brilliant. I, You know, he would be rolling in his grave. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a sad thing. But you know what? He, writ- he He's written some awesome stuff, so... Anyways, all right, that's all I got, man. All right, well, you got your script. I do. I I, I made a new one. So, I know, I saw that. Okay, so we're going to promote the Theopop in it now, so. Hold on, I'm trying to pull it up, and it's not pulling up. All right, I got it. All right, let me find my music. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. Check out our new pop culture podcast, Theopop. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. 
send us an email to info at theonotspodcast.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Find us on Instagram using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Namaste, my brother. This has been Theonauts <laughs> Podcast. Feeling. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At You want to marry him, and he don't even know where he belongs, and you don't even know where you belong. Now, uh, let me tell you all everybody here how much I love these kids. Do you know I love you, sir? Stand up, big boy.